Hello and thank you once again for joining us for the Crossroads Baptist Church Radio Broadcast Ministry. Today we are going to look at uh, what is considered an allegory in the Word of God. It's something that is a picture or image of something else. Uh, It'll be a blessing, I hope, to you, and it'll be something that we can learn much from for our Christian life. And so let's begin with the word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and all that we can glean from it. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter number 21 is where we're going to find ourselves today. John 21. If you're very familiar with your Bible, you know that in John 21, Christ has gone to the cross. He has gone to the tomb. He has risen from the dead. And he has shown himself to the disciples twice at this point already, uh, both in John chapter 20, one time in which he tells them uh, that he is sending them forth. And, and so you ex- would expect to see John chapter 21 start with the disciples running around everywhere they could telling people that Christ has risen because who, who wouldn't be interested in that news? I mean, that's kind of big, kind of big deal. But instead, we find John 21 beginning like this, verse 1. After these things, Jesus shoot himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise shoot he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter th- saith unto them, I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught Nothing. So not necessarily the uh, fishing of men that Christ told Peter he would do. Uh, they just they just go fishing. And I want you to notice something right off the bat. They caught no fish of their own effort. No fish of their own effort. Let's continue reading for some context to get the full picture here. Verse number uh, four. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then saith uh, then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, and a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus shewed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So quite an interesting story here. There's a couple of details given that are a little bit curious. Um, But I want to show you a few things from this passage that I think will be a blessing and a help to you. Uh, I see in just a couple of verses in this passage, I see the entirety of the Christian life and ministry. First off, you have the fact that the disciples could not catch any fish of their own effort. If we are going to consider this a picture of the Christian life and ministry, we must also make this uh, this correlation that when it comes to the salvation of sinners, 
Yes, we can spread that gospel net. Yes, we can preach and teach and we can do all we can to be a witness. But it is Jesus Christ that saves souls. It's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides and draws people to salvation. It's not my words and it's not your words and it's not the amazing way that we present the gospel. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that does the saving. Now, with that in mind, it is interesting to see how that the Lord says, the fish, the fish which ye have now caught. Christ told them where to drop the net. Christ drew the fishes miraculously into the net. All they had to do was be obedient, and yet Christ gives them credit with the catch. Now, I don't know about you. I've done some fishing in my life. Normally, going from one side of the boat to the other to catch fish doesn't really pay off that well. doesn't really do that much. So it's pretty clear here that the, that the Lord brought these fish into the net, and yet he says, oh yeah, bring the fish that you've caught. Now, it reminds me immediately of the, the way that uh, the, the way that the Lord rewards us for the labor that we do here on this earth, even though the labor that we do, uh, as good as it is and as much as we should do it, we can't save sinners. We cannot convince someone to be saved. It has to be the Holy Ghost working in their life as well. So today we have the command to go. We have the command to be witnesses. Some people have the command. They're sent to large fishing grounds like Mexico, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, different places like that. Others to small ponds like your job site or your home. Christ has also given some light to all men, promised them, to, promised to draw them towards himself, just like the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. The only job that we have is to obey the leading of the Lord and cast that net, and he'll credit us with the catch. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 assures us, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The only thing we can do in this life that is for sure not in vain is laboring for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6, the Bible says here, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. If you were to look down to the verse 13 of the same passage, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, this, this idea of the trial by fire and of our works, I don't want the works of my life to be burned up in the end. I want them to be something that is eternal, something that lasts through that judgment fire uh, to the point where I have a reward in heaven, to the point where God is giving me something for my labor. And, and here we know our labor for the Lord is not in vain. Our labor for the Lord is what will last through those, through those judgment fires. And God makes that judgment, that determination, not based on our our results, not based on any numbers or any data. He does it based on what sort of work we did and the fact of our labor. It, he does it based on how often or how much did you labor for me and was it labor that I approved of? Was it labor that I am pleased with? Just because somebody says they're serving God doesn't mean that it's pleasing to the Lord. There's a lot of people out there that are pretending to serve the Lord and doing so in a way that is actually negative in God's eyes. So, first of all, we, we see that the disciples, they had no power of themselves to catch the fish. God had to help them with the catch. Secondly, Peter drew the net closer to Christ. If you were to look back at John chapter 21 and verse number 11 with me again, 
The Bible says, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes and 153. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. So I want to point out to you, the growth of a Christian is to go from that turbulent sea of the world where you're saved from and get to Jesus Christ, as close to Christ as you can. And the closer you get to Christ, the more firm the ground beneath your feet becomes. The Bible says uh, in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 13 14, till we all come into the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. James 1 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And then 1 Corinthians 3.11 is a blessing for the other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We, we are that the fish being drug up by Peter is an example or a picture of the discipleship of a young believer bringing them closer and closer to the Lord in their walk with him and in their obedience to him. Third, God's word gives a detailed account of the number caught. Now, to any fisherman listening today, you know it's important to keep track of how many fish you catch, especially if you're fishing with somebody else. That way you know if you caught more than them or not. Maybe I'm just competitive, but that's how I always grew up doing it. We always wanted to know how much we caught and how well we did. But that's an odd number for God to put in the Bible. That's an odd detail, right? Why would we care how many fish were in the net? He doesn't do that in other places in Scripture with miraculous catches, but here we see the exact number given. And if you consider it an allegory of the Christian life and of witnessing and of the Great Commission and of people getting saved, it makes perfect sense because 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It is a blessing to know that our Lord knows we belong to him. There will be no saved person that is forgotten or passed over when the day of judgment comes. There's no saved person that's going to get to heaven and they're going to turn away and say, Oh, there was actually two Jeff Lins and and we let the wrong one in. Sorry. <laughs> it's not going to happen. We're not going to be lost in the, in the crowd. We're not going to be lost to some clerical error. God's keeping track. And God knows exactly who are his. Now also, keep in mind, the net didn't break. We do not know the size or strength of the nets they used that day, but it's clearly indicated that it was a miraculous thing that the net didn't break. And you know what that means? It means every fish caught by the disciples of Christ made it to the Lord. Some of those fish, no doubt, fought to get out of the net, fought to go back to the water that they came from, but the net held and none were lost. In John chapter 10, we read in verse 27 through 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If you are saved today, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, put your faith in Him and Him alone for the salvation of your soul, the Bible says you are eternally saved. Your eternal life began the day you accepted Christ, and if you could lose it, it wouldn't be eternal. We believe in eternal security because the Bible teaches it. And here, even in this picture of, of the Christian life, we see this net where these fishes, no doubt there were fishes trying to escape, and yet none of them did. It's a blessing to see that what God catches, he keeps.
Now, there's one more thing I want you to notice today from this story. If we're considering this to be a story that shows the the picture of the Christian life and church and, and the Great Commission being fulfilled, it's interesting also to see the very next thing Christ says after those fish were brought to land is found in John 21, 12. Christ says, come and dine. Now, we know this the Lord isn't speaking to the fishes here, but what a picture of the whole matter of the Christian life. First, you, you get saved. You get caught in that gospel net that somebody threw your way. You grow closer to the Lord through discipleship. Somebody brings you along in the faith closer and closer to a perfection relationship with Christ. You obey the gospel and you start casting the gospel net yourself. God gives the increase and you lead some souls to Christ and you disciple those souls and you bring those souls closer to the rock of our salvation. And one day, both we and those we lead to Christ and those who went on before us will hear the trumpet sound and the master calling, come and dine. It's time for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's read about in Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 through 9. The Bible says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And what a blessing to see here this this completion of the Christian life where where we know the very next thing that's going to happen, the next big event in Christianity is going to be when the Lord comes back and calls us out of here, raptures his church, his bride up to heaven to be with him forevermore. And that marriage supper of the lamb is going to happen. And the next thing we're going to hear the Lord say is come and dine. That's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing. I hope you believe the Bible when it comes to the rapture. I hope you believe the Bible when it comes to all these things. There are so many places such as this in in the scripture where just a couple verses can create such a clear picture of the gospel, of the great commission, of the entire Christian life. God's word is an incredible thing to study and to cherish. And I hope that today you've been saved from that unstable sea of the world. I, I hope today you've been brought closer to Christ through discipleship and growth. I hope today that you yourself are busy casting that gospel net wherever God leads and leading souls to him. And thank God we know the next thing Christ will do with his church is take us to our marriage supper as his bride. Amen.